Wow, wow. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. All of those girls, God has transformed their lives through His power. What you just looked at was mud singing up there. Amen. We're all just a bunch of mud. He remembers that we're but dust. Amen. Our frame is but dust. You're looking at a pile of mud up here. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm looking at a mound of mud out there. We're all mud. But there's meaning in that mud. Amen? No mud, no ministry. No mess, no ministry. That's what the local church is called here to do. To make a difference in our world. To make a difference in people's lives. The local church is not about buildings and bodies and bucks. It's about people. It's about mud. There's meaning in that mud. I just buried my father just a few days ago and went back to my old home place where I have two trees in the backyard and dad put up a pole above those two trees, roll up high, two oak trees, and, and put two swings in the coming down out of those poles. And my brother and I would get on those swings and we would have fights and kick each other off and swing real high and hit the ground and and there was no grass under that tree mom hated it mom would come out there and she'd yell you're tearing the grass up you know and finally she just quit because there's no more grass there to tear up you know made a mess she realized later she'd rather have two boys in the backyard with a mess than have them running all over town amen there's meaning in the mud there's meaning in the mess but not only is there meaning, there's, there's a miracle in the mud. As Birch talked about John chapter 8 to the ladies this morning where a woman was caught in adultery. She was in a mess. They brought her to Jesus and they didn't bring her for mercy. They bought her because they were trying to judge Jesus. And, and uh, they were ready to throw stones at her. They were ready to condemn her. Jesus walks out and he stoops down and he writes on the ground. And uh, you without sin, he tells them, cast the first stone. It's amazing as I travel in churches that have had RU programs, particularly the first three, four, five years, it's when they start that RU program and start bringing people in, it's those people, you know, those those people on Friday night. I hope about 15 years later you realize they ain't much different than us. Amen? In fact, we laugh at church people and say, those people on Sunday morning. <laughs> no, we don't do that. But you know, it's important for us to always remember there's meaning in the mud and there's, a, there's, a, there's mercy in the mud. The same mercy that you needed is the same mercy that they need. Amen? Jesus stooped down to begin to write in that stuff He makes mud out of again on the ground. And one by one, beginning the elders, even to the youngest, they left. They walked away. Oh, they didn't go too far. They were just around the corner. Because they approached Jesus in just a little bit. But one by one, they left that scene. And now there's only the woman and Jesus. And Jesus stands up. He says, woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, no man, Lord. 
Now, he's the one has got all the goods on her. All those other fellows just had a partial list. He's got the whole list. He knows it all. And yet he offered mercy and said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Amen. There's mercy in the mud. Not only is there meaning in the mud and mercy in the mud, but there's a miracle in the mud. There's a miracle. I remember the next chapter, John chapter number 9. There's a man there, and Jesus is walking with his disciples, and he's blind, and he cannot see. And, and the disciples started murmuring amongst themselves, and they said, Jesus, hey, hey, look, there's the blind man. We've no, I think they knew him. I think they had seen him before. And he said, who did sin, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God might be accomplished. And the next thing that man hears was, he couldn't see, but he heard. And the next thing he feels is Jesus who reached down and took some dirt and spit in it and began to make a cake and put it on his eyes. He felt something slimy on his eyes. Thy faith hath made thee whole, and he tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And man, he comes back and he's able to see. Those blind eyes can now see. There's a miracle in that mud. Amen. There's a miracle over here in this mud as well. I want to take just a few moments because this morning I want you to take your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. I believe the most important statement that Ben Burks has made in 19 years of traveling for this ministry is this statement right here. You ready for it? Here it is. The local church is God's support group to minister to addicted people. I really believe that's one of the most important statements I've made from behind thousands of pulpits like that right there as I've traveled in the last 19 years. of Traveling and begging and pleading and teaching how the local church is God's support group to help people like this, to, to get down in the dirt and help them and get in the mud and show them mercy and show them God's mercy and show them the miracle that what God can do in their life and see them get saved and see them get baptized and see them begin to walk in newness of mind and then to see them serve in a local church. To see them go back to the mud and not to wallow in it, but to help somebody else out of that mess. I want you to hear the testimony of Donnie Barnes, and then we'll preach out of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. In one of the most emotional trips I've ever made to Michigan, I grew up 25 minutes down the road. Normally when we come into town, you know, we travel, we leave, you know, just outside Chicago, we leave at four in the morning, and by the time we hit here, you know, it's seven hours later, but uh, this time we left Chicago, or, you know, seven o'clock at night, so I was traveling down I-69, going underneath the 475 overpass at 3 a.m., and it dawned on me that I'd been here a hundred times before at this particular place this particular time in the morning 
it kind of broke my heart. This time, traveling to go minister to a church with my wife and my newborn baby. You see, before, I bought my dope five minutes from this church. So before, as I would travel down 475 or 69, going underneath that 475 overpass, smoking dope. But that was, that was 12 years ago. God brought me to, I started RU at Fostoria Baptist Church. And uh, 12 years ago, I walked in to their church, hopeless, homeless, addicted, and really thinking that nothing's going to change. And I was hopeful, not in Christ, but I was just hopeful that something would, something would do. I've tried, you name a program, it didn't work. What's going to make this one different? But God did. God made it very different. Twelve years have passed. I'm trying not to cry here because it's amazing what God's really done in my life. For the last 12 years, I've worked at the RU Recovery Men's School of Discipleship. Really 10 years. First two years of my ministry there, I worked for Brother Burks in the International Department. God shot me over to the men's home. I was the steward, assistant steward, assistant dean, dean, housing director, you name it. I've worked through it. Eight months ago, God removed me from the RU ministry. and That about broke my heart, too. But see, he called me to youth ministry in 2007. So God placed me over the youth department of Northland Baptist Church. Think about this. The reason I wanted to share this, and the reason Brother Burks asked me to share this, is because he just started talking about mud. I was the dirtiest guy in the world. Actually, my, my nickname was Dirty. I mean, that's what they call me. They get dirty. And so you look at somebody that the RU director thought, there's no way, there's no possible way that this guy's ever going to get it. We're going to have to sh- you know, sh- uh, ship him out to Rockford just, just to have a chance. My mom and dad, they had written me off. I myself had written, my, you know, written off. And you guys minister to people like me every single day. Somebody walks in the church, and you're like, man, that guy needs a shower. That guy needs a shave. There's no way he's going to make it. But 12 years ago was yesterday to me. I mean, literally, this life is but a vapor. It was yesterday. And in less, I guess this month, almost a month exactly, I'm going to get ordained. And Brother Burks is going to be on my ordination council. Getting ordained. Why is that? That's because of people like you that invested in someone like me who was hopeless. Miracles. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be here. And I mean that seriously. The hand in hand that you guys work with Fostoria and you guys work with, with uh, Saginaw and just the intermingling of the ministries through the addict meal, you know, ministering to the addicted. I wouldn't have a child. I mean, it's a miracle all on its own that we have a baby. But it's because, I like how you just worded that, mud. It's because you guys are willing to get a little dirty and minister to somebody that was hopeless, and I mean hopeless, somebody that was worthless. Like I said, somebody that was definitely dirty. God is so good, and I want you guys to reach this community so bad. I have so many friends that are still actively engaged in their addiction that live just minutes from this church. 
but you're going to have to get a little dirty to do it. And it's going to be hurtful at times. I'm nothing special, but who's the next Donnie Barnes? Amen. We're going to look at a great example from the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter number 16 this morning. We'll be done here shortly, 1 Corinthians 16. I don't know what shortly means, but I'll figure it out. 1 Corinthians 16, book of verse number 15. I beseech you, Paul says, he's the end of chapter, the end of the first book of Corinthians that he writes years later to the church of Corinth. And he's beseeching them. He's begging them. It's the church that he went on his missionary journeys, the first missionary journey. And, and boy, he went to Thessalonica and there was all kinds of problems there. And man, there's a stoning that took place there. He'll never forget that one. And, and then he goes to Berea. And that church of Berea, remember, there, there was the, there, that was a decent place there. They, they searched the scriptures daily and he really enjoyed the time with that church and then he went to Corinth in Acts chapter 18. He goes into the church city of Corinth and, and he goes into the synagogue as was his custom and, and uh, he began to preach Jesus and they didn't want nothing to do with that. Boy, there was murmurings and problems and, and public disputes and stop that and we don't want to hear that and and uh, Paul walks over the front door and shakes off his raiment and says, Fool on all of you. I'm done. I'm going to the Gentiles. He went to Christmas' house that night and went to sleep. And angel of the Lord came to him and says, Paul, Paul, don't you go anywhere. There's much people in this city that need you. You just stay right there. You just stay put. You serve the Lord. Paul stayed there. He went next door to the house, to the synagogue, and he started the First Baptist Church of Corinth. I think that's what the name of it was. And uh, he started the First Baptist Church right next door. And, and uh, in fact, one couple he went and got was Priscilla and Aquila. They were tent makers, and, and they had partnered with Paul. And boy, they used their financial investments to see the ministry go forward. And when you saw the video a few moments ago, those of you who give weekly to this ministry and those of you who give weekly to the outreach of, of Trinity Baptist Church, you had a part in that. Your gifts have a part in that. It's important to have those givers and important to have those who tie to the local New Testament church. He began to go door knocking, began to win people to Christ, go out in the highways and the hedges. The Bible says he, he in, in one of the chapters in the first book of Corinthians, it tells us that he baptized a certain family. It was the household of Stephanas. He says, I know not who else I baptized, but I know that I baptized this one family called the household of Stephanas. And then that name comes up again. The only other time it comes up is right here in chapter number 16, where we are this morning, where he's getting ready to beseech us and encourage us here. And he says here in chapter number 16, verse number 15, I beseech you there, brethren, ye know the household of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. 
that ye submit yourself unto such, and to every one that helpeth with us, and laboreth. I am glad for the coming of Stephanus, and Fortunus, and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part they have supplied. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. Let's bow our heads for prayers. We begin here in just a moment and preach to you out of this passage. A, a message that is intended to provoke and encourage you. In the fourth quarter of the game, and to encourage you, whether you're an RU student or someone who's come up through the ranks as Brother Donnie Barnes did in Rockford, or, or, or maybe been in the church a year or two, or to, come, to realize that every member ought to be a minister. Amen. Every, every saint ought to be a server. And so let, may God help us to focus on this from 1 Corinthians chapter 16 this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the music we've heard. I was particularly blessed by the joy bells this morning, and thank you for Donnie and Hannah. Lord, I thank you for the song that we sang, Complete in Him, this morning. I, my heart was moved. It's been a long time since I heard that song. Thank you for how it stuck in my meditator. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would use all the events of this morning to move our hearts, Lord, in a particular direction. And God, I pray you would speak to us, encourage us, and help us understand the next phase of our life, your will for our life in Trinity Baptist Church, Lord, the next 15 years, and what you want to do here. God, I pray that you'll use me this morning to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're going to look at this passage. We're going to find some things here. Some characteristics about this family, Stephanus. I believe, personally what I believe, I think I'm going to get to heaven. And I'm, 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, I believe it is, or 6, where Paul talks about the church of Corinth. He, in this book, he writes and he, he's reflecting upon the early beginnings of that church, which we know Stephanus was part of that. And I believe, he says, and such were some of you. He talks about adulterers and fornicators. He talks about um, all kinds of addictive behaviors. And then he uses the words, and such were some of you. But you've been sanctified and justified and transformed. And there's been a mighty change in your life since you've been born again. I think he's talking about Stephanus. I think... I think perhaps one of those particular problems was the problem of Stephanus when, when Paul first met him and before he came to Christ and before he got saved and, and God had, had seen him change his, God had witnessed uh, his grace in, in his life like we just heard from Donnie and these girls this morning that were just mud and a, a mercy came in and a miracle came in and, and God developed them and now they're ministering to others. And so I believe Stephanus is representative of those. And with that in mind, I thought I would take and dissect and define 1 Corinthians 16. And we would look at this passage and learn something of how we ought to be servants as well and ministers of well. Because he who dies with the dirtiest towel does not win. Amen? That's not a... I'm sorry. He who dies with the most toys does not win. It's, but he who dies with the dirtiest towel does win as we serve. Now let's look at it. 
Look at the Bible, verse number um, 15. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus. Ye know the house of Stephanus. Number one, write this down. Their ministry was obvious. You know. That's what Paul's telling the church of Corinth. You know the household of Stephanus. I have never in all of my travels, I have never met a man that wears more hats than Pastor Scott. I've never, ever met a man in my life. I wear a lot of hats, but that man, my goodness. I mean, he is the trash man. He's the guy that organized the schedule for Friday night. He's the guy that helped set up this and do this and move that and, and run this. And, and there's others like that in the church. But I thank God for Pastor Scott. Amen? I thank God for Pastor Ferguson. But every one of us ought to be a minister. If I ask you to take out that little card in front of your pew there, and, and, and just take it out there. I've got a special card that I put there this morning. And I want you to get the pencil. Everybody's looking. No, it's not really there. That was, was metaphorically, you know. Uh, but, but what if you took it out and I told you that here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down one or two servants from this church. I'm gonna, the first name or two that comes to your mind of a servant of the Lord, someone who serves the Lord, I want you to put their name on that right now. Uh, everybody get a name on it. Okay, let's pass it to the aisles. Ushers, pick them up. And then during lunch today with the pastors, I was sitting down and I was talking and we were looking through those cards. There's a couple things we would probably notice. And I, I've, I believe this, whether the church is large or small, there's a couple things we notice. Number one, we would begin to notice some of the same names on the cards. It is true, 10% of the church lets 90, 90% uh, of the church lets 10% of the people do the work, you know. It just seems that way. But you know, it was obvious. It was obvious that, that, that this family served. Now, I know there's some ministries that aren't obvious. I understand that. But in this context, it was saying their ministry was obvious. You know, you know the household is upon us. I want to tell you there's some obvious ministries that need to take place around here. Amen. There's some ministries available. There's some things you could be doing. I, I was thinking this week as, as I heard testimonies and, and heard about the west side of town. We're on the west side of town or east side of town? We're on the east side of town. But the, the, the west side of town and how many, how many people over there need the Lord and how many, uh, what a good fertile ground that is for an RU. And we don't have a church on the west side. I was thinking, well, why can't Trinity have two RUs? One over here on the east and one over there on the west. And then I, I, I swallow real hard because I begin to think of the same thing in Rockford, Illinois. We're on the east side and we need something on the west side. And, and so I know the kind of work that would entail. I understand that. But wouldn't it be wonderful if God did it? Wouldn't it be wonderful? I, 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 my wife and I have traveled to a lot of churches and we've seen that, that there are obvious ministries. Uh, and one of the obvious ministries on Friday night is when you begin to, uh, uh, begin to minister to addicted people. If we're really going to serve them, we can't tell them to get a babysitter. <laughs> we can't tell them to get a child sitter on Friday night. They burn those bridges. And so they wouldn't be able to come if that was the case. 
But oh my, what privilege it is to meet with those boys and girls and to teach them John 3, 16 and to teach them the RU 10 principles. If, if God's against it, so am I. It, theirs is if God's for it, so am I. Amen. And so we positively teach them God's word. And, but you know, your church right now needs a kids club worker. He said, Brother Burks, I just can't give 52 weeks again a year. We don't, we, nobody in RU works 52 weeks a, week, a year. It's 45 of them. <laughs> he said, I just can't do that, okay? Maybe there's two couples that could do it. And you could split. Maybe there's three couples that could do it, and you could do it three ways. But I am begging you, when it comes to being a servant of the Lord, that you, you, follow the pattern that we see here in the Bible. Their ministry was obvious. The second thing I noticed, if I looked through those cards, or the second question it would be, would your name be on it? Would your name be on it? Would it be obvious enough that somebody would write your name? Their ministry was obvious. But number two, I want you to notice, look what it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia. Notice what it says here. The house of Stephanus. It didn't just talk about Mr. Stephanus. It was the whole house. Number two, write this down. Their ministry was plural. They served together. I remember my wife and I moved to Rockford, Illinois. Our children were all small. Josh was about this high. Caleb was about this high. He's still about this high. But, uh, and, uh, and they were all small. And uh, you know what? They started... 19 years ago, when I started the RU ministry, they began to work with us in RU on Friday night. They grew up going to RU. I forget the first time. We don't let people smoke in our buildings, but occasionally some will go outside and smoke. And when we first moved to Rockford, they walked out the door and they, <laughs> Caleb's going, Mama, what is that? I'm like, Come on, Caleb, let's go quick, you know. Because <laughs> some student went out there to get a breath of dirty air, you know. But we're glad they're there. We want to help them. Their ministry was plural. They served the Lord together. Boy, I would encourage you every opportunity you can. Look for opportunities to bring your family together and serve the Lord. Amen. There's so many opportunities to do that in this church. And, and we, we, we've seen God do that with Robin Sue Burnham. We've seen God do that with so many people in Rockford, Illinois. An entire family serving the Lord together. Number three, write this one down. They, they were tenured in the ministry. The first fruits of Achaia. They, they were there when it got started 15 years ago. They were doing that a long time. How many of you are working in RU and you've been working for 15 years? You've been a part of the program, the ministry since the beginning days. Is there anybody like that raised stand, would you? Let's have those stand. 15 years. Just stand up real quick. 15 years. Even if you was a student back then, that's okay. 15 years. 15 years. Let's give these a big hand. Amen. That's wonderful. Wonderful. They were, they were, man, alive. they were tenured in ministry. The first fruits. They just stayed by their stuff. They didn't quit. They, they took ownership and they kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And boy, God blessed that in a mighty way. Reminds of 1 Corinthians 15, the, la- the chapter before this, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, 
unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Uh, chapter 1, verse 7 of 2 Corinthians says, Our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that ye are, are partakers of the suffering, so shall be ye also be of the consolation. Just steadfast, unmovable, working for the Lord. Let's finish well. Amen? Let's finish strong. Their ministry, they were, man, they, it was obvious, it was plural, it was tenured. Look at number four. Their ministry was continual. It was around the clock. Where do you get that from, Brother Birch? Well, it says they were addicted to the ministry. You know that word addicted is the same word in Luke chapter 7, verse 8, where it was a man that was set under authority. He did whatever his authority said. He continually stayed under that authority. He stayed in that position. And, uh, and, and I tell you, this is the only time we find the word addicted in the Bible. And so the guy who travels the world preaching about addictions, we might as well preach on the one time in the Bible where you find the word addicted. And it's not in a negative sense, it's in a positive sense. That would be addicted to the ministry, a good thing, serving the Lord. That's what he's saying here. 1 Corinthians 16, he says uh, they were addicted to the ministry. I want you to notice the next thing. It says, uh, you know the household of Stephanas, that the first fruits of Achaia, that they were, have addicted themselves to the ministry. I want you to notice what it says here in verse number 17. I am glad, I'm sorry, verse 16, that ye submit yourself unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and, what's the next word? Laboreth. Now, he says here, I want you to submit yourself to such. So, number four, I want you to write this down. Their ministry was worthy of leadership. Stephanus, man, I don't know what he did. In our days in vernacular, maybe he was a bus worker. And then he became a bus captain. And then he became a bus director. Or maybe he became a, a guy who helped uh, 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 pick up the book table on Friday night. And, and then he maybe became the guy that was a, a helper in a group. And then he became a guy that was a leader in a group. And, and then maybe he became a guy of, a, of the director on the west side. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he takes my job. <laughs> who knows? But all of a sudden now they're in leadership position. That's how, man, that's, that is just wonderful to watch. Our church is so excited about Donnie Barnes being the youth pastor of North Florida Baptist Church. They're, they're thrilled. I haven't heard one complaint since we began to move in that direction. Not one. And I don't intend to. Because everybody knows Donnie. And they see God's grace in his life. So they were worthy of leadership. That's what happened to Dottie. You heard a while ago all the positions he's had. That's the example here in God's Word. Why well, he was under authority. He was under submission. And God blessed. Their ministry was obvious. Their ministry was plural. Their ministry was tenured. Their ministry was continual. Their ministry was worthy of leadership. Look, he says, he helpeth with us and laboreth. Their ministry is hard work. I think I'm beginning to identify why a lot of people don't, don't, don't minister. Amen? It is hard work. 
People don't serve because of that four-letter word right there, work. It's hard to get nursery workers. It's hard to get people to go pick people up. I can tell you one thing. If some ministers, some servants of the Lord just follow Pastor Scott on Friday night and just say, hey, let me do that for you. And then another one come on Friday night and just start following and say, hey, let me do that for you. Hey, you know, let me take those people home. I believe the next 15 years would look unbelievably different than the last 15 years. I believe. Because many hands on the net, many people serving, it would explode. It would explode. I don't know if you want it to explode, but it'd be incredible to see what God could do. Let's pray for the impossible. Amen? God, won't, you're in the middle of a hotbed opportunity here. And, I, and, you, and I'm only talking about RU. I could talk about your camp, your uh, farm fest. What's it called? Harvest fest. Man, that's unbelievable. You're going to see me here for the harvest fest. I want to just see it. I just got to go watch Brother Scott do it all. You know? And watch you do it all. It's amazing. It's absolutely, I watched the films only last night, and I'm thinking, wow, praise the Lord. But if I start mentioning all the other ministries and you're still not connected to any of them, I begin to think, whoa. I don't know that. I'm a visitor. I have no idea. But I know one thing. I can open the Bible this morning as an evangelist, and I can say, hey, let me show you what it looks like if you're ministering. Let me show you what it looks like if you're serving. And I say this to the RU students. He didn't just save you from that mess to just get all prideful and sit and soak and sour. He saved you to serve. Amen. He saved you to roll your sleeves up and serve the Lord with vigor and gladness. Their ministry was hard work. Let me give you the next one. They're... they're, they're the Bible says this, and this is interesting to me. It says, um, I'm glad for the, I am glad for the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. Let me paraphrase that for you. You know what he's saying? Because some in the church of Corinth would not do, they did it. But, and it's almost as if sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll, let, we'll enable them. We'll let them do it. We'll let them do all the work. We'll let them carry all the load. And we'll just sit back and Paul comes out with both, bla- both guns blazing and says, you know, you, you, you look at some people and think, why do they do everything? Man, they do this and they do this and they do this. And Well, one big reason they do it is because you won't. One big reason why they do so many different ministries in their hands and everything is because some people just won't do anything. That's what he said right there. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul. I want you to notice one more thing that just, I love this. It says in verse number 18, for they... They have refreshed my spirit and yours 
Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. They have, they have, man, they have refreshed my spirit. It'd be difficult in this church for me to give this nice plaque to one person. Because I know the work that's taken place here the last 15 years. I could give it to some of the faithful leaders we saw on the board a few moments ago. I could give it to the lady who serves in the nursery. I could give it to the one who faithfully comes and prepares food on Friday night for those people. Thank you for giving to the Lord. These are the lives that were changed. Amen? What a day. I'm telling you, heaven's just going to be sweet (laughs) when you put the apron on and you serve the Lord. I think it's going to be really sweet for those who get in the mud and serve those that are in the mud and show them the mercy and show them the miracle of what God can do in their life and then to see them do it. It says, presented to Trinity Baptist Church, Pastor Seth Ferguson and Pastor Director Ron Scott. So I'm presenting this to Pastor Ferguson and Pastor Scott, but it also says to Trinity Baptist Church. Fifteen years. Nursery workers. Kids club. Fifteen years preparing food. 15 years of picking people up. 15 years of taking phone calls at 1 or 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. 15 years of reaching over and getting the tissue box and handing a tissue to a dear lady that's crying. 15 years of getting phone calls. Uh, You don't need to pray for him anymore. He overdosed this morning. 15 years. It's a long time. Success is not measured in years. It's measured in decades. And you're almost reaching your second one. Fifteen years. Rescuing, recovering, and restoring lives in Flushing, Michigan. Paul Kingsbury and Ben Birch put this together and signed it. April 7, 2019. Thank you for serving the Lord. And to those of you who serve in other areas of this ministry, thank you for serving the Lord. And for those of you, God is pricking your heart this morning. Based upon what the Bible says a servant looks like. Is that you? Is that you? I heard probably one of the sweetest testimonies I heard since I've been in town. It was a man that spent probably a decade, not quite a decade in Rockford, and he struggled the whole time he was there. Struggled. He came up here to Brother Scott's chapter across town, Bridgeport, 
And uh, I saw him yesterday, and his countenance looked different. I mean, I knew the moment I saw him, something good's going on there. And I walked, he walked up to me, and he gave me a big hug, and he started telling me, I said, Brother, how are you doing? He said, oh, man, Brother Burks, God is so good. He said, I'll be in Rockford soon. I can't wait to come see you. My daughter lives there, and I can't wait to come and see her and see you guys. He said, well, I'll tell you, God's so good here. He said, you know, when I came here in Rockford, I came here to Bridgeport, I just got settled down, and I began to live by faith as you was preaching today and walking by faith. And he said, the pastor came up to me and says, hey, I, we need somebody to drive the van to pick up the mentally ill folks in our community, and, and, and would you help us do that? And he says, sure, I, I'll be glad to do that. And and he one time didn't have a driver's license. He does now. And so he takes that van around and picks up people and brings them to the church. And, and then he, a few weeks later, they came to him and says, Hey, would you, would you teach those folks on Sunday morning in Sunday school class? And he says, Yes, I'll be glad to. <laughs> on, the, on the inside, he's like, No, no. And if you knew the guy, you would be like, Oh, man. It'd be a miracle of the Lord for that guy to teach Sunday school class. But by faith, he said yes on the inside. With tears in his eyes, he said, Brother Brooks, I can't believe how God's using me. I can't believe how much I'm growing. How much I'm moving forward for the Lord. And how those thoughts I used to have every six months, six weeks, I don't even have those anymore. They're gone. Students, I tell you, the goal is not just to come around here and just have mercy happen into your life. The goal is to see a God do perform miracles because some student somewhere in America has got to take my job one day. Some student in America has got to take his job one day. Where are we going to get them from? Yale University? We're not going to get them from Illinois. I mean, you go to the prison, and the only thing, good thing about Illinois having a prison ministry, we get to minister to all of our former politicians. <laughs> is, Pastor, is Pastor Scott in here? Pastor Scott, come on up here and get this. I've got to give it to somebody. I gave it to you once. I'm going to give it to you again, not take it back this time, all right? Whether you're working or you, or whether you're just a church member that enjoy the blessings and benefits of God transforming lives through this ministry, would you thank them, the ones who serve on Friday night and have for 15 years? Would you join me in thanking them this morning? Thank you, brother. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We remain standing. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to ask you this morning, as God spoke to your heart, there's some area of your life that you could become a servant of the Lord in. And it's hard. You're not going to be able to serve the Lord if you don't know the Lord. 
Maybe there's somebody in the room that don't know for sure if you died that you go to heaven. Our message was certainly not about that, but God's Spirit can speak to you. Some of the greatest people in the world are servants of the Lord, people who know the Lord and serve Him. And God can do a miracle in your life this morning. He wants to show you mercy this morning. And if you don't know the Lord, I pray this morning you'll come. I pray you'll let us show you how to be saved. And then maybe there's some people in the room this morning, right there in the quietness of your seat. The instruments will begin to play in a few moments, I believe. And I pray that during this brief invitation, if there's somebody here that needs to re-enlist, if there's somebody here that needs to go to one of the pastors and say, Pastor, you know my situation, but I believe God wants me to serve somewhere, somehow. I ask you to make that promise right now. that You'll do that with, between you and the Lord. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the message and song. Thank you for 1 Corinthians 16. Thank you so much for the example of servants of the Lord. We're not the servant. It's the Lord that's the servant through us. The Lord shines His light through us. And God, I pray that you'll work in the hearts of these folks this morning through this simple message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the instruments play, if you need to respond to the altar, we'll give you a moment to do that. If you want to come for prayer, Maybe you got burdens in the ministry you're serving in. Maybe you got vision. Maybe, maybe this morning your heart is heavy for vision, for something you want God to do in the Awana program or in the RU program or in your group. Would you come recommit as a servant of the Lord this morning? Just sign up. I'm in. I'm all in. I don't want to sit on the bench. I want in. I want in the game. That kind of spirit is what we need in our churches today. It's a privilege to be a servant of the Lord. Amen. Pastor? Pastor?